start my recorder. We we have an audible recording as well as putting it on the internet. Uh, if, if you ever look at our website, you can go to listen and then podcast, or maybe it's podcast and then listen, and you can pull up most of the sermons or most of the messages taught at this church. But uh, if you'll notice on your hand, at just the top right-hand corner, there's a little graphic uh, called the Book of Job, and, and it says theodicy on trial. And, and that little word theodicy, I had to look it up. But uh, it has to do with if there's evil in the world, you know, if God is just and holy and loving and gracious and merciful, you know, how how come there is evil in the world? And and uh, I was listening to a message yesterday, uh, kind of on this topic, and we all know there's evil in this world. There there is. Uh, just kind of natural evil, right? There, there's uh, calamities and you know typhoons and cyclones and hurricanes and earthquakes and volcanoes and there's mudslide. We we were in Costa Rica one time and we were supposed to go to the the beach one day, but the whole road was closed because of a mudslide. We don't have that here, but. Um, and even uh you know disease and pestilence and you know um, the guy that was talking he talked about even in our own country like in the early 1900s you know how there was millions that died of a flu and just uh so there's just kind of some natural evil in the world and then we we know there's there's kind of a moral evil in the world there's you know, murder and rape and just wickedness, right? Just there's some horrible things that happen, and uh, some of this we've heard or experienced directly or indirectly. Or uh, so there, there's even moral evil, and then uh, kind of what Job is going through is more of a spiritual evil, where God allowed the devil to. Uh, bring all this evil upon Job really in in one day and then another day he 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 allowed his body to be diseased and so uh you know this this theodicy is how can a good and just and loving God allow for that and he posed this question I, I think it'll be good for all of us to even think about this is can you know Let's just talk uh, theoretically. Would God get more glory if there's evil in the world than if there was no evil in the world? I mean, if there wasn't any evil, if, if everything was just perfect all the time, every time, would God get more glory from that or from delivering people and, and healing people and fixing problems? And hopefully the answer is obvious. I believe it's because there's evil in the world and God allowed it. We can choose Him. We can trust Him. We can have faith in Him. And we can receive forgiveness of sins and experience, uh, you know, you know, being made free from the Word of God, can't we? And and anyway, I just thought that was a good question that I wanted to pose to you as well. I thought, wow, that's pretty good. So, 
Because that is our purpose on earth, isn't it? To bring God glory. We are to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are to, to praise and bring glory to God. That That is like the highest reason we're here is to bring Him glory. And uh, so anyway, I wanted to present those as... Uh, I've got a quote for you here from Oswald Chambers. He says here, uh, your, your second line, your second bullet point there, to choose to suffer means that there is something wrong. <clears throat> to choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. He says, no healthy saint ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. And uh, so that that's true of our Lord. He he uh, he asked the Lord. You know, he didn't want to have to die on the cross. But he says, uh, "Let this cup pass from me." And then he says, "Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done." So it was his will. It was Christ's will. He submitted his will to God's will, and it was God's will that he. Uh, I mean, that's almost the most evil thing that ever happened, right? They put our they put a perfect man to death. And so that that was certainly evil, but it, it served a purpose. It served to redeem, uh, offer redemption to all mankind. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, let's look at now uh, where I'm going with this. If this Matthew four about <clears throat> man shall not live, but by every word of God. Let's see if I can. Jim's got a remote microphone, but I'm kind of restrained here a little bit. I got we don't have quite as good a setup as Jim's got. But uh, we're going to look at a word today. Uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to draw a picture of God, but let's just draw it like that. And uh, and here we've got a man. And uh, and uh, now, now let's go to let's go to Job because I want us to see this. I think it's verse verse eight, but let, let's go to Job thirty-two. It's a relatively short chapter, but uh, those of you that maybe know, or maybe those of you that are here every week, that we're in a little bit of a shift now. Job and his three friends are done talking. But a fourth man shows up named Elihu. And Elihu is a young man. And he uh, seemingly has been present for all of the conversation of Job and his friends. And so Job 32. And Emmett, I think I'll have you read, if you would, uh, the first three verses. These three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Eli, Eli, the son of Barakal, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram, against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself for everything God. Also against his three friends was the friend Kendall, because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Right, so this, uh, 
this young man, Elihu, is angry and it says, I think it says three times in here that his wrath was kindled. I mean, uh, you know, you, you 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 know what kindling is for a fire, right? It's how you get that fire started. And his his anger, his wrath was kindled because these three Job, friends of Job had said all that they said, and they had all these accusations, but there was no evidence to back it up. He, you know, obviously Job has some sin in his life. They're saying because none of this would have happened if if he didn't have sin in his life. But uh, there, there was no evidence because he was a just and upright man, and so they they were off, and it angered him that they hadn't found any evidence. And uh, this this Elihu, it says he was a buzzite. That, that's kind of funny, isn't it? So uh, I. Um, it's funny because. Uh, there's a guy named Buzz, and he his had a brother named uh, Huzz or something. It's like Huzz and Buzz. They were like brothers. I don't know. That just seems funny to me. Sorry, Lord. If but what I do. Uh, so th- this this little map here. I don't know how accurate it is. I, I kind of like it. it but it it looks like I, I believe they got the location of Buzz, and I, I don't know if if you guys can see it that good back there. But I do think this is probably the location here is in uh, Saudi Arabia. You know, uh, Israel's up here. That's. I don't know if that's the Sea of Galilee and Dead Sea, but anyway, uh, I think Uz is maybe more down here, but anyway, uh, Elihu, it says Elihu right there, I don't know if you can read it, but so Bildad they think was from there, and Zophar was a Naphamite, and uh, Eliphaz was a Temanite. So all these friends kind of come to Job in, in the land of Uz. And uh, so th- this is the guy we're talking about, is this guy named Elihu. And it says that he was uh, angry because it says that Emmett read in verse 1, he was righteous in his own eyes. And uh, the Bible says that about uh, Israel, that they went about to establish their own righteousness. And we, we've, we've highlighted that several times that, uh, you know, God is righteous and, you know, the devil's unrighteous. So the lost are unrighteous and the saved are righteous. But this, the self-righteous, that's kind of the uh, gray area. And uh, I think some self-righteous people are, are maybe truly saved. Uh, and, and many self-righteous people are probably truly lost. But anyway, they... Uh, that's the day and age we live in, isn't it? The, the, the Laodicean people are lukewarm and and they're neither hot or cold. And what are you thinking, uh, Heather? Well, it's kind of a question. What's the difference? I mean, is it possible to be humble if you're self-righteous? Not not so much. Yeah, yeah. 
and and that is an issue here. It's just a lack of humility, maybe on Job's part, as he keeps he keeps representing himself. It was in chapter twenty nine where he used the word I or me fifty two times. and so, uh, and, and that's kind of Elihu's. So Elihu kind of has a fresh perspective. He doesn't. He 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 doesn't say that Job is sinning outwardly, uh, but uh, maybe throughout this he he's seeing because you know the, the Bible says there's none righteous, no not one. All of sin, we've all come short of the glory of God. So, as good a man as Job was, and maybe he was the best person in the world at the time, he still got sin in his life, right? And so, Elihu is looking at it a little, little more like that. And so, the the thing that uh, I had you put in your blank is self righteousness leads to a self sufficiency and uh, I probably spelled that wrong so you know what it means That's, that word sufficiency from where I stand don't worry Angie remembers the time I misspelled heaven I was teaching about heaven, I couldn't spell heaven. I don't know. Well, there's more to the story. His brother tried to tell him there was an A in there, but he still, he was like, I don't know where the A goes. So it's still, yeah. It's still I spelled it heaven or something. Anyway. So, uh, so we don't want to be self-sufficient, do we? We, we want to be dependent on the Lord. And so self-righteous people tend to be self-sufficient people. And, you know, here in America, we, we try to train our children even to be, you know, independent. And, uh, that, that's not always a good thing. I think it's good to, you know, be, I think the preacher says that there's, there's always room for pioneers, but God doesn't need mavericks. And I don't know if you know what I mean. I mean, you think of a pioneer as, you know, they work hard, they're gonna stake out new territory, they're gonna grow and be prosperous. But a maverick just kinda of shoots from the hip, does his own thing. That, that's what Christianity, we don't need mavericks, do we? We, we, but, you know, gosh, wouldn't it be great to have you know, Brian Hedges kind of pioneered this soccer ministry, and gosh, there was a hundred people out there yesterday. And uh, so there's room for pioneer works, you know, within the structure of the local church. But we don't want to be just mavericks and go out and you know I'm mad at that church, so I'm just going to go start my own thing. You know, that that's not what we should do. And so there needs to be structure, even if if we're pioneers. So anyway, uh, it says that. in verses two and three, that he was angry. With, so he was angry at Job because he was righteous. In, he had his own righteousness, and then he's mad at his friends because they condemned Job, but they didn't have any evidence. So how do you put evidence in your second blank there? <clears throat> and then uh, in four through seven, he he shows respect. Uh, by waiting for the older men to speak before him. So, Pam, would you read those four through seven? 
So that th- those things are true, aren't they? Uh, he waited for the older to speak, um, but he he goes on. If you look down at verse nine, he says, "Great men are not always wise; neither do the aged understand judgment." And uh, you know, K- King David said something similar he, in Psalm 119, verses uh, 99 and 100. He, he, he says that I have more understanding than my teachers and uh, more wisdom than the ancients or something. So it, it is possible. You know, uh, typically, you know, young people, you know, they they grow up through school and, uh, you know, we might say they have an eighth grade education or maybe they graduated, you know. Uh, there's kind of way, but... The thing I wanted to say is just spiritually, you could have been only saved for a year and you can accelerate spiritually, you can grow faster than you can naturally. And, and I've seen that and I think it's true with our, our pastor Brian. I feel like, you know, I went to the same Bible college he did. But he, he, he obviously has wisdom beyond his years, uh, I believe. And uh, so anyway, I want to encourage you with that, that you know you could be just a new Christian and still have uh, more wisdom. And isn't it true that uh, great men are not always wise? I mean, uh, I was watching a, a show last night. Uh, it talked about like the four richest men in, in the world or America with Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg and uh, Gates. And uh, I think three of those four just went through a divorce. And, you know, th- those are great men. But to my knowledge, they're not saved. They're not born again. They're not members of churches. They're not serving the Lord that I know of. And so that's not wise, is it? Uh, so great men are not always wise. And, and you can say the same thing. Uh, it says... Uh, that the aged uh, should understand judgment, and we know uh, older people that are foolish, right? You can be, you know, old and gray-headed and still do stupid things, right? And uh, we've had friends that worked in nursing homes, and they talk about, you know, people sleeping with people in the nursing homes. It's like, wow, there's a lot of wicked stuff goes on in a nursing home. It sounds like, and it's like. That's not wise. <laughs> That's uh, foolish for uh, older people to be sleeping around. But anyway, uh, so he's saying out of respect, and, and this is, you know, obviously a, a custom in uh, in that part of the world that they would uh, respect the elders and let them speak first. But once they were done talking, you know, Joe or Elihu waits his turn. 
And then in, in verse 8 is a key verse. And uh, so, uh, Philip, do you want to read verse 8 or do you have your B-I-B-L-E? Verse 8, 32. 32 eight, yep. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. All right, thank you. So this... Uh, I'm not sure how I wanted to write this. This inspiration... Uh, I mean, the word spirit is in the word... And uh, what does that word mean? What does the inspiration mean? Does anybody know? God breathed. Right, right. And so that that's kind of what I wanted to picture here is God breathed. And, and, and this, this goes into uh, Genesis uh, 2.7. Where it says, "Man breathed, uh, God breathed uh, the breath of life into man, and and man became a living soul. Uh, he, he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into man. So, so that's true. Of uh, that's true of all men. And then I gave you some verses here. Let's see. But before I get to that, let, let me finish my teaching point on, on the first section there. Uh, I put that the author of the book of Job was probably Elihu. And the reason we say that is several times here, he, he's, he's saying that uh, I'm going to speak, I'm going to give my opinion, I will give you answer. And even in verse 16, it says, When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will give mine opinion. So I think this is, you know, several times it says that Job said this, and Bildad said that, but now Elihu is saying, I will answer, and he's using first person here. And uh, so we think that Elihu was probably the author, the the human author. And I gave you some uh, reasoning there in your teaching point. But I wanted to get to this thing of of inspiration. And uh, I know Pat told me this week that this is one of his favorite chapters, at least in the book of Job. And I'm guessing this is partly why, is because it mentions this word inspiration. And it says here that, uh, in fact, let's look at that again, what Phil read. There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So I, I put the word understanding in your next blank. So it's like God's spirit breathes on man's spirit and it gives man understanding. And uh, I gave you uh, on your handout, if you look at that for a minute, I put that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And that 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that a lost person can't understand God's Word because 
they don't have God's Spirit. It says, neither can they, for they are given by inspiration of God in comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So, it's funny, I was actually witnessing to a co-worker once, and I quoted him that verse. I'm like, well, Chuck, I know you don't understand what I'm saying. You're, you're lost. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. He goes, yeah, that right there. I don't understand what you just said. It's like I quoted him a verse. He's like, yeah, that. I don't even know what you just said. I'm like, wow, that's pretty wild. And uh, and so, uh, so, but... Uh, the the word inspiration is in our Bible two times, and I, I gave it to you down a little further. But what I wanted us to see here is uh, I gave you this verse from Second Peter one twenty one. It explains the process of inspiration. It says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I want you to think about this for a minute. So uh, this inspiration gives understanding. And these, these holy men of God... Uh, they were given this understanding and and they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I want you to think of uh, prophets. I gave you a, a verse from Acts there. It says, whom the, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. And so, so what happened was God would inspire holy men of God, these prophets... They were uh, holy men, and they would be moved uh, not as not as you know uh, a friend of mine. His mother did. Uh, she was a real real heavy woman. She's passed now. Uh, she couldn't really get out of her house, but she she was a real fast typer. She could dictate doctors' notes and and put them into whatever they were working on. But that that's not how this worked. God wouldn't just use people as dictators uh, to write, okay, God, you said this, you said that, you said this. But they would use their personality of, you know, you think of Elijah and the prophets, and God would come upon them and they would be in the Spirit and they would speak things directly from God. And then... Uh, uh, like Jeremiah had Baruch, he was a scribe, and he would he would write down, and uh, they they would actually, uh, you know, put it in a book. And so th- this uh, sometimes that's Alan Shelby made up a word uh, called inscripturation. Where. Uh, the scribe would inscribe what the prophet wrote and uh, into a book 
And uh, so we say that, uh, the, in fact, that's what Timothy says here. Uh, look, look at your handout. The Second Timothy three sixteen explains how Scripture is given to us. It says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's a part of our church's mission statement. But so it's funny. Uh, God didn't just inspire this book in the originals, but they had, uh, you know, there, there was copies of that book, and it was it was written and rewritten, uh, and you know, probably Timothy and his family didn't have like the original book of Jeremiah in his house but people had copied it and uh, translated it uh, and uh, but each of these would uh, so the issue is not so much did God inspire his word but did he preserve it and, and that is the question isn't it you know did God write it once upon a time in some book, in, on some shelf, in some museum that none of us have access to? Or is it the book you hold in your hand? Because Paul told his, his listeners in Thessalonica, he says, uh, in fact, let, let's look at that one. First, first Thessalonians, it's chapter 1, I think it's verse 10. I love this. And I hope this is all your attitude. First uh, Thessalonians. It's right before Timothy, isn't it? So I think it's one thirteen. Yeah, or two thirteen. First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. And the Bible says here, uh, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And I, I just really uh, took heart with that. You know, as you're sitting here listening now, you're, you're not, hopefully you're not just hearing Steve's words or Steve's thoughts about what the Bible said, but you're hearing as it is in truth, the Word of God. Right? And, uh, hey Rosie. Hey Chuck, can you get her a, a thing there? I mean, uh, seriously, th- think about that as as we're sitting here. Uh, when you hear the Bible taught, does it resonate like, okay, that is truth. God not only inspired it to help... Uh, um, that very first verse I had us read was that Matthew 4, 4, man does not uh, live. That word live... Is the same word as to quicken. 
this was the Matthew 4 4. And this word is in Hebrews uh, 4.12. That's where uh, God's Word is more powerful than a two-edged sword. Uh, and it's quick or it's alive. And it's able to discern. So not only does God's Word uh, keep us alive, but it also... Uh, preserves his word and gives it life I, I remember a preacher uh, you'll think this funny he used to do street preaching and I'm a terrible street preacher but he would like he had like a pocket bible and he would lay it on the on the concrete and he'd put his hat over it and he'd walk around it like you know hey guys it's alive underneath that hat it's alive and he'd get an audience, and he, he, you know, he'd pretend like he's going to pick up this hat. There's something live under it, and he'd lift up his hat, and there'd be a Bible there, and he'd pick it up, and he'd start preaching to the crowd that was, you know, what's this thing about, you know? And uh, I just thought that was that's a good illustration, isn't it? Like, you know, beloved, the, the Word of God's alive, and it can help you in your life today. And anyway, it's just a good, uh, good thing. Maybe, maybe I'll try that sometime. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I wanted to do this thing about inspiration and uh, it's quick it's alive and uh, hopefully is there any other thoughts there about inspiration Uh, I know Pat you love this verse this passage yeah yeah. well you know another thing I I thought about is like you know the the prophets spoke it and they were moved that, that word is like I think Alan would teach that it's it's like carried along by the sails. That's the picture of it. Like we're blown mm-hmm. in God's direction, and it causes us to speak. You know, or causes the prophets to yeah. speak it and yeah. scribes to write it, and then and then men to preserve it down through history. So that's good. It's a good process. I mean. Yeah. Many people nowadays don't believe it's preserved. Yeah. And if it's not, if you can't trust it, then what part are you going to trust? If you can't trust all of it, then you can't trust anything. Yep, that's that's so good. Well, thank you, brother. It's just a good reminder. And uh, Rosie, we are in. Uh, Job 32, and we got a guy named Elihu. He's a younger man that he's kind of got a new new argument, a new approach, and a new zeal. And uh, he's kind of angry at Job's friends that they haven't really found a problem in Job's life. And so he's doing his introduction here of who he is and uh, why he's speaking. And. he mentions this thing of, of inspiration, and we'll, we'll see it again a little bit in the in the next chapter. But uh, let, let's move on here. Uh, Heather, would you do verse nine? Great men are not always wise; neither do the aged understand judgment. Yeah, go ahead and read all the way through verse twelve, if you would. Therefore, I said, "Hearken to me." I will. I also will share my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons. 
will she seek, search out what I say, what to say. Ye, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. Yeah. Now, uh, In the Corinthians, Paul kind of talks to his audience and uh, he tells them that he's speaking to them as being carnal. They they hadn't grown out of, uh, you know... You know, maybe when we came to the Lord, we had a foul mouth, or maybe we, uh, you know, drank or smoked, or we had some bad habits. But uh, as we grow in the Lord, we we should be uh, better workers for our company. We should be better servants at the church. We should be more obedient to the Lord. And he he said, you know. his audience at Corinth, he said, you guys are still carnal. It's a time where I'd like to be teaching you more meatier things from the Bible, but you you can't handle it right now because you haven't grown. And uh, he says something similar in in Hebrews. I gave you those verses in chapter 5 that that uh, they're not able to handle meat of the word. They still need to be uh, have the milk of the word. And so, uh, it, the, the way I explain it, you know, Christ said that, uh, you know, suffer the little children to come unto me. Uh, of such is the kingdom of God, and and such is the kingdom of heaven. So we should all have childlike faith, shouldn't we? We we should, you know, just you know, just like a child would hold his daddy's hand. You you want we we should always have childlike faith, but we we should also mature in the word too, shouldn't we? We we should uh, you know be uh, have, have understanding and have some seasoning. Uh, so, so I, th- I think you need both, don't you? I don't know if there's any other thoughts, but that's what what Heather read there. It says that you know the great men are not always wise, and the aged don't understand judgment. And so, hopefully, because uh, I think I think they were taking each other to court, and they were you know suing their brothers and sisters, and uh, they said you know you should have just. Uh, you know, take accepted the wrong and moved on. Basically, is what they he told his listeners there. Any any other thoughts about those verses? Uh, he goes on to say he just uh, waited and listened for their words, but nobody convinced Job of what he was doing was was no sin in his life. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, let's go to. You know what? Yeah. I have a thought. All right. Think about inspiration and all that. With, with all of us, nobody's going to convince us unless the Holy Spirit, God's Word, yeah, really speaks to us. And yeah, that's a good. It says convince there, doesn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. It's the same with all of us. Yeah. It's a man telling them, you're wrong, well, okay, you're, you know, you, you're a sinner too, and yeah. so it really takes the authority of a sinner's holy God to convince hmm. us. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, a friend of mine was newly saved, and historically he had kind of 
I think I told this story before. Just uh, he went and played basketball at his lunchtime, and then he'd shower, and then he'd eat lunch. So he, his one hour lunch became an hour and a half or two hours, you know. So he was abusing company time, and and after he got saved, he was still kind of doing that, and. Even some of our co-workers said, hey, what do you think about Craig still, I shouldn't use his name here, but uh, still abused his lunchtime. And and it, I first thought, you know, I should say something to him that, you know, and other people are noticing. But I thought, you know, he's got the Holy Spirit in him. God will guide him. And and I was, I was right to do that because Craig became, you know, the hardest worker among us. And, uh, you know, he, he soon, you know, tightened up his time and, you know, honored the Lord and, and served our employer faithfully. And so he, he made it right. And, and that, I guess that's the way it should be. You know, there, there's things about all of us that God wants to change, right? But really, His Holy Spirit just convicts us of, you know, that one or two thing, you know, hey son, hey daughter, you know, your anger is in that area. You shouldn't, you know, whatever whatever it is that maybe God's convicting you of, our, our deal is to just say yes to Him. Maybe, maybe if it's, even if it's just salvation, you know, if Christ died for us and that's heavy on our heart, we need to trust Him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, it took a lot. I mean, God kind of had to orchestrate all that in my life uh, to where things I was trusting in were failing. You know, the kids, the job, the marriage, the money, the, the school, you know, all those things that I was working so hard to keep all the plates spinning they they uh you know leave leave you empty and but uh, the lord can uh you know meet our needs and and uh and you you put him first and then he works out all these other things doesn't he and that that's how things went uh, with me for sure uh verse 14 through uh, 16, he kind of separates himself here from his friends. Uh, Sam, do you want to read 14 through 16? Now he hath not directed his words against me, neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed, and they answered no more. They left off speaking. And I have waited, for they spake not, but still answered no more. Yeah, thank you. Um, so again, Elihu's speaking. And uh, down at the bottom here, I, I give you on your teaching point, uh, Jim Stobal kind of introduced me to this idea that Elihu could represent the Holy Spirit uh and I guess what I would say is uh, probably at least he represents a spiritual, uh, a spirit-filled man of God. And so he kind of separates himself from his friend. He, he says that Job hasn't directed his words against me and I'm not going to answer him with the speeches of the friends. It says they were amazed, they answered no more, and they left off speaking. And he just said uh, what Sam read there, you know, I, I had waited and uh, they quit speaking. They stood still and answered no more. So uh, Job is giving, uh, or Elihu is giving his 
his speech now. And, and this speech lasts like five or six chapters, all the way up to chapter 36, I think it is. So he's got five or six chapters. This is the longest dialogue in the whole book of Job. So we'll be talking about Elihu for uh, the next five weeks or so. And uh, so... Um, well, let, let's read 17 through 20. Uh, Brian, you want to read those? Yeah. I said, <clears throat> I will answer also my part. I also will shew my opinion. For I am full of matter. The spirit within me constrains me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips. <clears throat> And answer. Mm-hmm. That's the That's good. Two twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I was just looking at something here. Uh, so uh, he says, "The spirit within me constraineth me," and. Uh, when I see that little phrase, you know, Paul says something similar. He says, the love of Christ constraineth us. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been constrained, but it's almost like, like you're saying, Pat, that they were moved. These holy men of God were moved. They were like constrained. It's like uh, you've seen the police shows where the police officer gets a guy's arm behind him and pushes him down on the hood. He's getting ready to cuff him, you know. He's constraining that person. Uh, and uh, so Elihu saying that he says I, I'm just I've got the spirit I'm full of matter and uh, he says my belly is uh, is as wine and it hasn't no vent I'm going to explode if I don't say something is what he's saying and uh, I gave you a reference there from Matthew 9 you, you know in Matthew 9 it says that Men don't put uh, new wine into old bottles because it would, could burst them. But they put uh, new wine into new bottles. And he's saying that uh, Christ has to make us a new creature is what I put in your blank there. Is a creature. So that we can hold, uh, and that's what happens when uh, when God saves us. He gives us His Holy Spirit, and it seals us. It puts a seal on us until the day of redemption. Uh, that's what Ephesians one says. And it's, it, he used the example of uh, of a garment as well. That you don't put a new patch on an old garment because the, the the new patch could kind of. Uh, draw up and, and, and make the tear worse on your clothing. And then and then in uh, 21 and 22, Pat, uh, read those if you would. It says, Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto men, unto man. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my Maker would soon take me away. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of this uh, chapter here, and he's saying that uh, you know it's not wise to give flattering titles. Uh, 
so he's not a respecter of persons is what I, I drew from that uh, it, because God's like that you know uh, we say that there's level ground at the foot of the cross don't we we, we say that you know uh, no one's too bad that they can't be saved and no one's too good that they don't need to be saved right because all of sin comes short of the glory of God and so he's saying that that I know you men are great you mean well you come from all other parts of the Middle East to be here but your words didn't convince Job and so uh, Elihu's taking a little different approach he believes he's got the inspiration of God and he's like this uh, wine that's about ready to burst his if, if he don't speak and say something and I gave you some references there about being a respecter of persons and uh, hopefully you find that encouraging that God is no respecter of persons um, and so, uh, you know, we teach that in marriage as well, that uh, the man and the, the wife, they're equals. They, they just have different roles, right? And, you know, it's the same way at, at our company. We, we have, uh, at our company, we have like a site leader. Then we have like eight directors. There's like eight uh, directors. And then underneath them is managers and supervisors and and it's not that anybody's any better than anybody. It's just uh, a structure so that our business is organized. There's clear chain of command, and uh, you know, um, ho- hopefully that makes sense. And, and it, it should be that way with, within the home. Um, but. Uh, I put here that Elihu is a type of, of the Holy Spirit is your last blanks. Uh, just the Holy Spirit. And uh, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll prove that out. Uh, I'm sure he's not perfect himself. and uh, But his name means uh, God of him or my God is Jehovah or he is my God. I found different meanings there for his name. Uh, he's a descendant of Nahor, which is Abraham's brother. So, um, you know, for him to be a Buzzite, and, and this is the land, it's the land of Uz. So he, even uh, this guy Buzz, and there, there's actually a city named Buzz in Jeremiah. I gave you the references there. Uh, I think it's in the first the first teaching point, but uh, Jeremiah twenty five twenty three mentions that there's a city, and it connects it with these other two towns. Let's see if I can turn there that one. Uh, Jeremiah mentions uh, Tema and Dedan. So again, this is kind of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Sinai Peninsula and then Israel's up here so anyway uh, Buzz or the Buzzite probably came from around this area and so anyway I wanted to give you kind of a, a map of these are real people real places let's see what I Maybe it's uh I don't know how to 
Yeah, I think that just shows D Dan down around here too, and Edom and Moabite. So anyway, a little bit of uh, history and geography. Uh, I think we'll pull up there. Yeah, Heather, what do you got? So I like that you pointed out on uh, on, on this lesson the, the the switch of the narrative. Yeah, good. You yeah, ready for I a? Never would have caught that. Yeah, you ready for a new? Yeah, it sure is. And so he uh, look at my last point there on your teaching point. He says Eli Elihu is saying. You you did not sin before your suffering, but you are sinning now in your self-righteous defense of your suffering. I, I like that comment. That, that's kind of his angle. Is like uh, he, he probably knows that this is some kind of spiritual attack, but uh, in Job's suffering. Uh, he kind of has a little bit of a chink in his armor and that he kind of becomes self-righteous or maybe not humble about it. And Anyway, we, we don't cast stones at uh, Job or any of these men, really. just uh, we're, we're not you know, in the same situation and we don't know how maybe we would respond, would we? You said when we first started this lesson you were listening to a program about... Some evil, yeah. Fellow guys, some guys. Uh-huh. Called them great, and I wondered why you called them great men. Uh, who who I the person speaking? Three of them. Oh, oh. And all that. Well, like great. Elon Musk and these wealthy men. Wealthy. But not great. Yeah, yeah, probably not. You probably got me there. You said they weren't wise, I think. Yeah, I did say they weren't wise. Exactly. Um, They're great by me. Yeah, by maybe a world standard. You know, uh, uh, let let me look up a verse. Um, You got my phone, but... um, my, My daughter... She works in housing for the Army down in Fort Hood, Texas, and she's won an award or two lately. And uh, she she loves she loves her job, but uh, she got the opportunity to, you know, as soldiers come on the base, she helps them get housing if they're going to live on base, that type of thing. And she had to work with a major, uh, you know, pretty high-ranking official. And I think she won an award for help. And somehow he he invited her family and another major. So she was like at the house with the majors and their wives. And uh, I gave her the verse in Proverbs that says, A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. And... Uh, I don't know if you think like this, but, you know, we've had missionaries here uh, like Pradeep Lima. And he he has literally hazarded his life for Christ. I consider that a great man. And I, I feel like that God has saved me. He's given me the gift of eternal life. And that gift has brought me before great men like Pradeep Lima. And so when we go there to minister to him and his people, I've been to India twice. You know, 
we're probably learning or gleaning more from them than they are from us. And so that's what I consider great men. And, and so, uh, Pam, Pam, you're right. Uh, the, those four great men that I mentioned earlier, by, by, maybe by worldly standards, but not by Bible standards. So you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, that meant something to my daughter because, you know, just her being, uh, you know, where she's at allowed her, you know, to represent the Lord even before majors in the Army. So that's kind of cool. So let's hold up there. Uh, Pat Lee, uh, close us in prayer, brother. And we'll sign off Facebook. Thank you for joining us. Lord, we thank you that you desire to speak to us, Lord. You really desire to speak to us every day. And I just pray that our hearts would be 